Well, if you've been following the news, you know that Michigan is in the news and not in a good way. We are right at the top, leading the nation in a surge of COVID again. And despite our best efforts, we seem to be right back where we started from in some degrees here. And uh, that is not making anybody happy. And, of course, is making some people worried about are we going to be returning to lockdowns and closings and all the rest of it. What is happening? What are these new strains? Dr. Liam Sullivan, infectious disease specialist with Spectrum Health, joins us. Dr. Sullivan, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Mitch. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so the new strains. First of all, here in Michigan, uh, what strains are here besides what we call the classic strain, the old strain, uh, and, and in what percentage are they currently taking form? So, you know, there's the what they call the wild type strain. That's the classic strain. That's the one that's been circulating the most commonly up until now. But now there's a couple of other strains that are circulating, most prominently the B117 strain, which has probably been in the news more than any other strain. It was first identified in the United Kingdom late last year and has since spread into the United States and um, has become very prominent in Michigan. I know last I heard there was at least 2,000 cases of the B117 strain in, in Michigan. It's probably far higher than that because to identify the strain, you have to send isolates to the state of Michigan for special genetic testing. And that's pretty labor intensive and you can't do that on all the positive right. coronavirus tests. So, 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 I mean, the fact that we're out at, at almost 2000 is likely leads us to believe that there's probably a lot more. There's estimates that it's probably at least responsible for about 50% of new infections in Michigan and rising every day. Wow. Um, there are other two strains that they've had uh, identified are the, uh, the P1 that was originally identified in Brazil. I know there's only been a few cases in Michigan and the B1356 that was originally found in South Africa. And I don't think there's only been a few cases of that in Michigan. So B117 have... is the big one now. Okay. And almost it, really kind of the majority one, if, if what you're saying is true. Probably. And, soon, and, and certainly soon yeah. to be. Now, I have read where they have done, and obviously these are limited tests because there hasn't been a lot of time, but they have tested some of these vaccines that we're getting against at least the, um, I think it was the South Brazilian one maybe, and it was a little scary that it, it, it got through. Uh, for want of a better phrase, it, it, it got through the defense and, and, and it was able to burst that and thereby meaning the people who have the vaccine may not be immune to that strain. What can you tell us about how effective the vaccines are against these three new strains? So the B117 strain, there's no evidence to suggest of any reduced vaccine effectiveness against that strain. The vaccines, they've done laboratory tests and even, even real-world effectiveness, and there's not been any increased risk of infection with the B117 so strain if, in patients, in people who are vaccinated. As far as the other two go, you know, there's not a lot of real-world data. You know, truth be told, Johnson & Johnson's the only company that has any, did any clinical trial, da uh, trial in an area where there was high prevalence of one of the strains. That was the B135 six strain down in South Africa because part of their trial was done in South Africa. Right. And even though the efficacy wasn't as high as it was in the United States, it was only about 50 to 55% effective in preventing infection. Nobody got hospitalized and nobody died, even despite the fact that that was the dominant strain in South Africa at the time. So while the vaccines may have a little bit reduced ability to prevent infection from those strains, they're still going to keep you out of the hospital and still keep you from getting severely sick. So there's, you still should get vaccinated if you have the opportunity to get vaccinated. Are the companies working on boosters to try to address this? And if that were to happen, what is a typical time frame in which you have to get a booster from the time that you got your first shot? 
Yeah, so all of the companies right now are looking at making um, alternative vaccines with um, genetic material from the variant strains. So exactly, it'd be a booster shot that would be more effective against all the variants. As far as timing of that, we don't know yet. That's a good question. I think that remains to be seen. I know Moderna and Pfizer have just started trials, and Johnson & Johnson is looking to start one to test their, their, their booster shots. Is you know, I would say we probably will know more information about that sometime this fall, about when the timing of a booster shot would be. But probably right around the 9- to 12-month mark. That's typical when you do a booster. But, you know, it's hard to say right now because we need more data right. on that. Why are we having such a surge in Michigan? Well, I think it's a combination of several things. I mean, number one, it's the B117 strain becoming more prevalent. And that strain, unlike other COVID uh, coronavirus strains, is much more transmissible, probably 50 to 75 percent more transmissible because it locks onto some receptors in our body much easier than previous strains, thus making it easier to cause infection and easier to spread. Number two, I think People have sort of gotten lackadaisical. We've let our guard down and we've gotten a lot of COVID fatigue. I mean, you know, healthcare workers, we're more sick of this than anybody in the state is, um, you know, but unfortunately, we're the ones experiencing the uh, the, the big surge right now um, in, in, you know, in our hospitalizations and the number of rising infections. And I think the state as a whole, I think everybody's just, you know, with the vaccine coming on and spring coming on and, and, and everybody's just kind of tired of it. And then the state opening up more, you know, with restaurants opening, you know, youth sports and, and other gatherings and people probably gathering more and and letting their guard down and not practicing, you know, wearing masking well, this, well, and this, distancing, this, et cetera. The, the, yeah, but the first part of what you said, this highly contagious nature of the new strain. So is that to suggest that if you do what we have been doing, socially distance and wear a mask, that may not be enough? Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll be enough. I mean, it, you know, in in Britain, when they had the strain, they had to go into the strain started spreading. They had to go into a lockdown and, and, and you know, really lock everything down to really try to get control of it. It got pretty bad in Britain. I mean, I don't know that it's going to get like that in the United States, but it's certainly, you know, the strain is certainly spreading badly in Michigan. I mean, we have to continue to wear masks and keep our distance and avoid crowds, though, to help control this, because if we don't do those things, the strain's going to spread even more rapidly and cause more infections as we're seeing right now. And I think the fact that people are not doing those things as much as they did in the past is a big factor in why this strain is spreading so rapidly. For example, you know, one of the things we didn't see with previous coronavirus inf uh, surges is a huge spike in infections in uh, elementary schools. Now we're seeing much more cases in elementary schools because this new strain is probably f spreading faster in elementary schools. Now, the biggest outbreaks are in high schoolers and and um, 20 to 29-year-olds, high schools and college students are probably the biggest uh, um, outbreaks occurring at this point in time. And again, it's probably largely because people are letting their guard down, gathering um, and not wearing masks and, and not paying attention to the, you know, the control measures that we've been doing and success that were successful for so long. So well, this refutes the earlier thing they did months ago that, oh, kids don't spread it as much and you're all right, kids are spreading if it is, it's a small spread. So kids can spread it just as equally as the adults can. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think there's some evidence that this this particular strain is probably easier spread amongst kids than it is, than it was previously. I think previously that was the case that there was not a lot of transmission going on uh, in elementary age school kids, um, but this strain seems to be spreading a little bit more easily among elementary age school kids, and it probably has more to do with just its increased transmissibility than anything else. I want to you know, ask you. It's much easier to spread from person to person. I want to ask you about uh, taking the vaccine after you've had. COVID. 
There are mm-hmm. employers and now there are universities that are requiring you to have a vaccine or been vaccinated before you can return or live in the dormitories. But yeah. what about people who have had COVID? There seems to be very strong evidence that your body's natural antibodies are every bit as effective, if not more so, than the vaccine. And yet there is not a lot of scientific research on taking the vaccine after you've had COVID because there just wasn't time to do that kind of research. Isn't it a little irresponsible to be demanding people to take vaccines when their body is already producing the antibodies for this? Well, you know, in the vaccine trials, all of the vaccine trials through the very Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, they all had people in there who had a previous history of, of COVID infection. And one of the things they found is that they all tolerated the vaccine very well. And then and since that time, um, they've done research on it. What they found is like with the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, people with a previous history of COVID have an incredible antibody response to a vaccination. They actually produce more vaccine, more antibodies to the virus than anybody who's had uh, the regular two-dose shot and does not have a history of COVID-19. So the vaccine provides a really strong booster effect in people who've had a previous history of COVID. And I think you could make the argument sometimes, Mitch, that people, while natural infection, generally speaking, provides very good immunity to a lot of infections, sometimes vaccination provides actually better immunity because it's a more focused focused um, immune response generated by the vaccine. And that's the case with the coronavirus vaccines, is they're generating a very focused immune response to a particular part of the virus that's most important for the virus to attach the cells in our body. And by, by focusing the immune response on that particular part of the virus, it's invoking a much more potent immune response than probably natural infection is invoking. Because in natural infection, you're invoking a lot of different arms of the uh, uh, areas of the virus gets targeted, whereas the vaccine doesn't necessarily do that. And some of those other areas in natural infection aren't necessarily effective at controlling the virus, whereas the spike protein, which the vaccines all target, are very effective at controlling the, controlling it. So I think that people who've had a previous history of COVID, getting a vaccination is definitely a good idea because it's going to boost their immunity and it's going to make them much less susceptible to getting potential reinfection. All right. I got 10 seconds left. When do we reach herd immunity in Michigan? Cool. That's the million dollar question. You got to believe at some point in time over the next few weeks here, we're going to be between a combination of vaccination and natural infection. We're going to start hitting the, hitting a point where infections are going to start dropping. But when that happens is anybody's guess right now. Well, you just said a few weeks. Yeah, it's pro- exactly. It's probably going to be at least a few weeks. Okay, I, it's not going to happen I'll take tomorrow. A few weeks. Everybody <laughs> so, listening will take a few weeks. <laughs> but but you know, don't write that in stone because I could be very wrong about that because I don't yeah. think anybody has the answer. A- everybody to Everybody on right this now. thing could be wrong. That's 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 exactly. how we got to where we are. Thank you so yes. much for joining us, Doctor Sullivan. Appreciate it. 